been a real blessing for me to have shared these past weeks with you, and uh, thank you for allowing me to be here and and your kindness. And uh, this young man down here in the front row, Nathan, I, I'm trying to learn his name. It's taken me four weeks. And uh, just the fact that he's here at the front, and, uh, you know, each week it just blesses me. You know, like, thank you, Nathan, for being faithful to be here. I know if you're all sleeping, Nathan's listening. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Please know that I'll be praying for you and these coming days that you would clearly hear from God uh, as Don Gardner comes and, and just that God's will would be done in your midst. Uh, what, a, what a holy moment it will be in the next few weeks as you as a congregation seek God and as he does as well. And just know that, that I believe you have a wonderful future. Uh, not because you're clever and exceedingly talented. Uh, you are. But because God is good. God is really good. And he loves you. So how was your week with the most brilliant man in the universe? I, uh, I trust that you and he... Uh, enjoyed the last week, that you learned about, from him about how best to live your life. And regardless of the circumstances you faced, whether they were good or they're bad, that, that it was profitable to live that life with the most brilliant and smartest man in the universe, with Jesus. During the past three weeks, we have been seeking to see the real Jesus with the hope that seeing him as he really is will inspire us to want to live all the moments of our life with him. The scripture has revealed to us that Jesus, for whom many will joyfully give up everything to be with him. A Jesus whose goodness and power uh, work to save. A Jesus who is undoubtedly the smartest man in all the world. This morning the scripture grants us another glimpse of Jesus. This time our encounter with Jesus is in the city, the city of Jericho. And the scripture in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, uh, tells us this story. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. There are two sermons in this text. The first has to do with the kind of faith this blind man has. 
Uh, the second has to do with Jesus. This morning we're concerned more with Jesus, and so I'm going to try and preach only one sermon and not two. I'll leave you to pursue uh, the kind of faith that Bartimaeus had and expresses here uh, in this scripture. But, but let me just say one thing about his faith. <laughs> Don't you find it amazing that a blind man should throw his cloak aside on his way to see Jesus? Like, just think about this for a minute. If you were blind, would you not be very careful to keep your few belongings really close to you? Because if you lose them, how do you get them back? Unless somebody says, oh, look, here's a coat. Does, does this belong to anybody? You don't even really know what color it is, right? It's interesting that, that Bartimaeus here doesn't pick up everything he has hold it tightly to him as he goes to Jesus. The scripture says he throws aside his cloak and runs to Jesus. So you have to ponder on the kind of faith that expressed, is expressed in that one act. And I'm going to let you do that. I want us to consider the actions of Jesus. Jericho was the second largest city in the Israel of Jesus' day. It was a resort city. It was warm and balmy. It was rich and beautiful. King Herod built his summer palace here, and many well-to-do people would travel to Jericho to holiday there as well. You know how we as Canadians like to go to Hawaii and Mexico during the wintertime? We do that, right? At least some of us do. Many of us do. Well, people from Jerusalem, if they wanted a warmer climate, because Jerusalem's was, elevation was quite high and it got cool sometimes, they would say, well, let's go to Jericho for a holiday. They would go there like we go to Mexico to, to just enjoy themselves and for better weather. Jesus did not stay in Jericho. He was going through Jericho to Jerusalem. He was just passing through. And as he moves through this holiday kind of city, the people recognized him. Oh, there's that prophet. There's that teacher. And a crowd begins to form. And, and, and they begin to follow him as he's, as he's walking through. And as he leaves the city, this blind man sitting on the roadside hears the commotion. Now you're sitting there, you're begging. This is how you make a living. And all of a sudden you hear this noise. You hear this commotion. Does it not confuse you? What's going on? It might even be a bit scary. And so somebody tells them, well... It's Jesus of Nazareth who's coming. This news leads him to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what does he get? You know, how is the blind man begging on the side of the road treated? He is rebuked. Not just by one. The scripture says that many rebuked him. They told him to be quiet. What right does a blind beggar have to inject himself into the journey of Jesus? What right does he have? What right does a disadvantaged outcast, invisible to most of us, have to thrust himself onto the path of Jesus, to trespass on the teacher's time? None. Be quiet. But he yells all the more. You know what that tells me? 
tells me that Bartimaeus is a desperate man. How might have you called out to Jesus? You know, thinking of your personality? You know, how would you have called out? You're sitting on the side of the road, blind. Would you say, Jesus, son of David, over here, have mercy on me. Or would you have been a bit louder? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And there's people saying, be quiet. Hamish. How do you feel when you're you're, you're rebuked? Doesn't it sort of crush you a bit? Would you have been louder? Would you have been desperate? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Would Would you have yelled it with all your might? He is desperate. The scripture tells us he shouts all the more. He is desperate that Jesus, the Son of David, would have mercy. And now Jesus acts. And it is his action that reveals his heart. And here's what we learn. Jesus is accessible to all. There's an entire class of people who have little access to the powers that be. Have you noticed that? By the way, most of you, 99% of you, are part of that class. Would you like to speak to the mayor of Vancouver? You've got a great idea for the city. Alfred doesn't want to speak to him. (laughs) But you've got this great idea for the city of Vancouver. Or maybe you want to speak to Christy Clark, you know, our premier. You know, you've got this great idea. Or, Or the prime minister. You want to speak to the prime minister because you have an idea that will will transform the political process and make it meaningful and significant for the masses of people that live in this country called Canada. Fat chance you're going to get in that door. But let's say you do. (laughs) Let's say you've got connections. Somehow you get in. You get to see the prime minister. You know what they're going to say to you? They're going to say, Alfred, you've got four minutes. Whatever you've got to say, you've got to say to the the PM in four minutes because when that four minutes is up, a limo is going to take him to YVR and he's flying back to Ottawa. You know what that tells us? We're four-minute people. That's all the time we're worth. Because we're part of a class that doesn't really get to engage the powers that be. Perhaps you've got an idea for BC Hydro. Perhaps you've you've got an idea that will will transform, um, you know, some other kind of life for Canadians. But in Important people, you know, the heads of these companies, they don't have time for people like us. There's a whole group of us. There's the masses. And, you know, as I look around here, I I see you you all are pretty normal kinds of people. You know, you're you're good-looking. You're well-dressed. You're well-spoken. You know, imagine if those things were not true. What if you were blind? And you had no means to live except to sit at the side of the road, sit on the sidewalk with a little cup. What if you were homeless and had not shaved or showered for a month? The people who were in close proximity to Bartimaeus, they understood such things. Such people do not have access to prominent leaders. They are to be rebuked and told to be quiet. You do not count. They would have said to Bartimaeus, 
Your place is on the side of the road begging. We're sorry about that, but that's the way it is. Just accept it. Be quiet. But, at this, but Jesus at this point runs against culture. Everyone, regardless of his or her station in life, is of value. Everyone is welcome to interrupt his journey. And so he does a remarkable thing. He stops. Don't you hate interruptions? You're trying to get somewhere. Not, not for Jesus. You know, uh, he just stops. And then he does another thing. You know, he says to the crowd, call him. You know, sometimes when I'm trying to go somewhere and somebody's calling my name, I pretend I don't hear them. You ever do that? Especially if you know it's going to be a fuss. You know, you just keep on going. Like, oh, I didn't hear them. Jesus doesn't do this. He stops. He's, he makes himself accessible. Not only does he do that, he's, he asks him, this lowly man, this blind beggar, what he, the son of David, can do for him. Jesus places himself at this man's disposal. What can I do for you? Better yet, Jesus grants the man's request and heals him of his blindness in that very moment. And here's the second thing we learn about Jesus. Not only does he make himself accessible, Jesus is merciful. He's accessible and he's merciful. You know, and this is not hard for Jesus. He's good at mercy. He's good at making himself accessible. He's good at saving people from out of their desperation. Jesus does not overlook the ones the world deems small or insignificant. Jesus says, says to people, let the little children come to me. Jesus speaks to a woman at the well, an outcast, and says, would you give me a drink of water? Jesus reaches out and touches the untouchables, the lepers, and says, be healed. Jesus, in this case, says to a blind beggar, what would you like me to do for you? Jesus does not seek to offer Bartimaeus something different. <laughs> oh, so you want me to heal you? You want your sight? Well, would you, would you rather have a new cloak or how about a new friend? Like, I can do... Why should I give you your sight? Like, let me do... You know, Jesus doesn't do this. He doesn't judge Bartimaeus. He doesn't try and manipulate, manipulate him or coerce him into asking for something different. He just grants his request. Jesus is merciful. We just sung that. Like a flood, his mercy reigns. Jesus' time in the city of Jericho is not finished with the healing of Bartimaeus. Luke 19 relates another, how another man, not a beggar, but a rich and wealthy man, also wanted to see Jesus. And like Bartimaeus, he too was desperate. He was so desperate, he ran ahead and climbed a tree. It was considered outrageous and shameful for an older Jewish man to run in public. Like Bartimaeus, he too was desperate. He was so desperate, he ran ahead, he climbed a tree, and, uh, so that he might see Jesus. 
Other men shout in their desperation. Some ran. Zacchaeus ran. Before Jesus gets out of Jericho, I've got to see him. Just a glimpse. And Jesus, the great teacher, surprises both Zacchaeus and his crowd. For when he arrives at the exact spot under the tree, again he stops. And he looks up. He says, Zacchaeus. (laughs) Calls him by name. I love it. Zacchaeus, come down. I, I must go to your house today. Jesus makes himself accessible and he shows mercy. And it transforms Zacchaeus' life. This turn of events does not please the crowd. Their chief tax collector was not well liked, despised actually. One person that was universally avoided by all the reputable people of Jericho. Jesus, in spite of this reality, sees Zacchaeus as one who's desperate to fill the ache in his soul. So Jesus makes himself accessible and shows Zacchaeus mercy by going to his house, the house of a sinner. Interestingly, in the Bible, there's only one other oldest Jewish man that runs. It is the father in the story of the prodigal son. The father who represents God. God who runs to show mercy. So the scripture reveals to us a Jesus who makes himself accessible. A Jesus who is merciful to those that the world easily ignores. He engages the marginalized, the small, the despised, the desperate, the alone, and the lonely The ones made invisible by the culture of the day. And he's good at it. Being God, it's not hard for him to know to whom he must go. Being God, it's not hard for him to bring the right kind of healing and deliverance to a person's life. Bartimaeus needed healing brought to his eyes. Zacchaeus needed healing brought to his soul. To each, Jesus made him self-accessible. To each, Jesus showed mercy. And with that came the healing that his presence brings. This Jesus, this is good news for us. This is really good news for us. The fact that he makes himself accessible through his spirit, which he's poured into the hearts of those who have trusted him, is a huge gift Those of you who are Christians today, in spite of your station in life, it doesn't matter what you do and who you are. It doesn't matter if you're identified by riches or poverty. It doesn't matter if you're a student, a couch potato, a businessman, a video gamer, a housewife and homemaker. It doesn't matter. Jesus makes himself accessible to you. Today, let me ask you this. As you think back over your week, is there a time where you recognize that you need the mercy of God? You know, some people, I was talking to my neighbor this week, and uh, my neighbor's not a believer, and uh, he went, he went to play golf last weekend, and he was surrounded by Baptists and Mennonites. These are his friends. And then, of course, I'm another Baptist. I said to him, you know, 
Isn't it interesting that God has surrounded you by Christians? Maybe he's after you. You know what his response was? I don't think I've done anything bad. That's a narrative in our world. Why would I go to why would I go to God? It scares me. Because I I only expect God's judgment. You know what the scripture reveals to us today? Jesus makes himself accessible and he's merciful. He runs to show you mercy. There's stuff perhaps you've done or said this week that you're not proud of. You know where you can get mercy? Jesus. Jesus. With him, mercy reigns. Jesus is present. He's ready to work with you, first in healing you and then in transforming you that you might bless others. So I guess the question that remains is this. Now that you've been exposed to Jesus, the Jesus that the Scripture reveals, are you inspired to arrange your life so that you might live the moments of your life with Him? Will you discipline yourself to do soap and STP? I don't know how that went this week, if any of you tried it. But it requires some discipline. Will you do that? Uh, Will you make it a habit to turn to Jesus throughout the day and to think with him about how to respond to the situations facing you? Does the real Jesus inspire you to be with him? I mean, why would you not? Why would you not want to live your life with a God whose power, brilliance, and goodness Look to be expressed in your life. And if you've not yet made a decision to follow Jesus, why would you delay any longer? Knowing that you could be connected to a person like this. Does the real Jesus inspire you to be with him? Don't waste a moment of your life anymore living it without Jesus. Even this week, I've been richly blessed by Jesus. I'll close with this story. It really was a holy moment in my life when its significance began to dawn on me. This past Thursday, I took the ferry from Victoria to Tawasson. I got in about 8.40 p.m. So it's dark and cold. And I was waiting for the bus. Along with, I don't know, a lot of people, like over 100 people, like the lineup from the bus stop, went the whole length of the terminal. And they'd sent one little bus. We were waiting until 9 o'clock. That's when the bus was supposed to leave. I'm at the back of the line, and I see this young man. He's probably in his mid-twenties. He starts the back of the line and starts walking forward, and he's in dirty clothes. He's sort of grubby-looking. Uh, has a few belongings with him. And his face, there's no life in it. It looks a bit like he looks in pain, emotionally beat up. He's going down the line. Do you have any spare change? Any spare change? Any spare change? 
And I, from my vantage point, I saw one person reach out and give him some change. And he comes back. Any spare change, any spare change. Any, and, and nobody offered him anything. And as he's walking away, back into the terminal, uh, the woman standing behind me called him over and gave him a few coins. He goes into the terminal, and I think, well, maybe, maybe that's it. Uh, someone, two-thirds of the way up the line, says out loud, well, I wonder if he's gone to buy drugs. He comes back out. He starts at the back of the line, where I am. Please, he says, I only need $3.40, just $3.40 to get a ticket. Will anybody help me? And he goes up the line saying that, and not a single one of us. Now, I checked my pocket for change. I had, I had seven cents. I just left them in my pocket. Not a single one of us responded to his plea, will you please help me? And so he's up at the front of the line, and I'm looking at him, and he takes out his little bag, and I can't hear everything he says, just the odd word, and he's putting stuff out on the walkway. And, but what he's doing is very clear. He's trying to sell his few belongings for $3.40, and we all do nothing. It was too much for me. I leave my computer bag, and I walk up, and I, I have this bill that I folded up into a square. And I touch him on the shoulder because he's, he's bent over his few things on the walk. Oh, what, what I need to tell you too is some other rough-looking guy comes out and yells at him and says, they're closing ticket sales in one minute. And then turns around and walks away. So that adds to the urgency of this. Because I look at my watch, and it's like 11 minutes to 9, and I know that the last ferry of the night is leaving, and he's not likely to be on it. So I walk, I touch him on the shoulder, and I say to him, excuse me, and he looks up like he's in trouble. And I said to him, here, here's $3.40. Go quickly and get your ferry. And in a brief moment, he's gone. Quickly uttered thanks, and, and, and in a flash, he was gone. Twenty minutes later, I'm sitting on the bus. And I'm reflecting and thinking about this incident. I was deeply moved by this man's desperation and our collective will to do nothing. It was then that the Holy Spirit reminded me of the scripture I had read that morning during my soap time. The Old Testament reading was from Micah. What does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The New Testament reading had been from Matthew and part of that reading had been where Jesus said to the religious people of his day, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. And then I hear Bartimaeus' words, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then it was in that moment that I realized that God allowed me to share in his work of mercy that as his follower, I was making Jesus accessible to others 
And it happened without my knowing. Who am I that Jesus should bless my life in such a glorious way? Who are any of us that Jesus would make his life accessible to us? Show us mercy. Transform our lives bit by bit so that in the end, we are doing his work without even knowing it. Because we're like him. He's made us to be like him. Here's a promise. It's not my promise, actually. It's from the Bible. If you spend your life with the all-accessible, merciful, brilliant, all-powerful, and thoroughly amazing, awe-inspiring, good God, then you will begin naturally to be like him. And the fruit of that will be that God will be glorified and your lives will bless many. It's my prayer that Jesus, the good and beautiful God, Jesus who he really is, would inspire us to live life with him in such a way that not only does he transform us, but that our lives begin to make him accessible to others and bless this city. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for drawing near, for running to us and not running away. Others run away. Father, you run to us. God, we pray that that you would speak to our hearts, that you would inspire us to love you all the more for your goodness to us. And that in that inspiration, that we would not want to miss a moment of any day lived with you. And God, when we fail, when we go our own way, when, when we're rebellious and we mess up, uh, remind us that you're merciful. Thank you, Father. We pray that as we continue to sing, and I pray... Uh, as these, your people, would respond and live life with you, that you would bless them richly. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand as we sing this song response.